Hey there, and welcome to Movies Our Dad Made Us Watch, a podcast where three siblings turned friends, turned enemies, turned frenemies, relive the movies their dad made them watch as kids, and that they reluctantly learned to love. I'm Ricky, you'll hear Kara and Emma. Let's jump in. Awesome. And we're back. Uh, so we're going to kick off our first official episode with a piece of listener anonymous, very important, anonymous listener feedback about our demo episode. And what is the anonymous listener feedback, Kara? The feedback was we're too siblingy, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is to say we talked over each other too much. That is a normal part of sibling life. Which is normal. And we, like, finished each other's sentences <laughs> and, like, would finish quotes, which, again, very normal. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. that was the big criticism, that we are too sibling-y, and we should be less sibling-y in order to attain more listeners. Well, I, I'm all for doing whatever we need to do to get more listeners, because as I have stated many times, I am kind of assuming this podcast is going to make us a lot of money. Tons. We're in it for like, the money. A lot of money. Let's just be clear up front. This is not a hobby. We are doing this for the money. So I'm not sure how long it takes to start getting the money. Yeah. Like, like my assumption is you put the podcast out and then the money comes in. Right. Which. Exactly. Apparently. Is, it's has, not working it, that well, far. It, well, we only have a demo out. And so I'm assuming by episode two or three, uh, whatever we need to do. And. By episode two or three, we are going to be taking breaks to say. Now a word from our sponsor. There you go. Yeah. I hope that we get really, really, like, morally questionable sponsors. Like, we're doing ads for Marlboro cigarettes. Marlboro. Camel cigarettes. You know, what I enjoy doing on my day off as a pastor is smoking a pack of Marlboro. Marlboro. Is it Marlboro? Marlboro. I think if you smoke, you just say Marlboro. I don't know. I don't know. We're big smokers over here. Okay. So... But that listener feedback out of the way, I just want to say we are open to listener feedback. We are going to post a link to a voicemail link. So you can actually leave us a voicemail with a question about a movie or suggestion or a piece of feedback, and we will play it on the air. So uh, without further ado, we're going to jump in to our film of the week, The Princess Bride. Okay, so first up, synopsis. Which uh, Kara's going to do for us, which we are, Emma and I are very disappointed, is coming from a website rather than from her heart. Exactly. This is from Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like I'm reading like... <laughs> well, read it like Terry Gross. This is from Rotten Tomatoes. This is from Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> a fairy tale adventure about a beautiful young woman and her one true love. He must find her after a long separation and save her. They must battle the evils of the mythical kingdom of Florin to be reunited with each other. Based on the William Goldman novel, The Princess Bride, which earned its own loyal audience. Rating is PG. This was released October 1st, 1987. Okay, that, that was soulless, Kara. Yeah. Completely soulless. It I'm was. very disappointed. Um, okay, so uh, what we're starting, what we've realized in our demo we did not do, is let our listeners know where we start with the movie. So we're going to have a rating system where we weigh in how much we like the movie. That way, we're giving feedback and people know where we're coming from. 
Okay. Exactly. So the rating system we have chosen <laughs> is self high fives. A Joe entire Jr. Staple. Trademark. Self, self five. So he invent. This is something he invented, just like Christmas Adam. Um, the self five. You want to explain the self five, Emma? The self five is basically when you do something you're proud of. <laughs> and there's no one to high five you. So you just stick your hand up and then with the other hand you give yourself a high five. So it looks like you're just hitting your hand <laughs> awkwardly, but it's like it's a celebratory expression, a self five. And yeah. it has to be loud. That's the Yeah, that's the criteria. Key. And I will say this, my dad has invented this for self affirmation. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> He apparently did not believe his family was giving him enough encouragement and affirmation in key moments of jokes or puns or rhymes or whatever. So it's the cell five. So it's however many, uh, it's a scale of one to five self fives. Like stars. Like stars, Mm -hmm. but self fives. So uh, Emma, how many out of five self fives would you give the Princess Bride? Oh, five. Definitely five. Okay. I am also at a five out of five self fives. Five self fives in a row. Bam, 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 bam. Ten fives. Self fives. So, so we're up far. to ten <laughs> self fives. Okay, Kara, what is your take on The Princess Bride? Three. Three? Why? Three. Okay, you gotta. And this is why I read the um, Rotten Tomatoes synopsis. I didn't trust myself to give it a fair um, synopsis. And this is something that I realized about myself this week. Because you're biased? No, that I grew up with The Princess Bride. We watched it constantly. I don't like it. <laughs> okay, then that's not three out of five. If you're like, I don't like it, that's two. That's, that's at a least two. two. Okay, because yeah, three it's is still two, like you put it on. It is two out of five. I put it on in preparation for this podcast. Um, I was just like waiting for it to be over. <laughs> what? I Are don't... You, Okay. I don't know why. Goodness. Like, for real, for real. Are you worried about Dad listening to this podcast <laughs> yeah. and finding out you don't like this movie? <laughs> I actually years. told him the other day that I didn't like this movie, and he got kind of mad at me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it was um, Okay, so give us, give us 60 seconds. Give us your 60-second take on why this is a 2 out of 5 movie. Not a 5, like us. And then I'm going to ask Emma okay. to give the case for, like, why this is a great movie. Yes. It's overdone. I don't want to, me- like, upset the homeschoolers of the world. I was a homeschooler. This is the homeschooler uh, sense of humor epitome. So maybe growing up in the homeschooler world... I just heard every single line from this movie said to death. (laughs) I can't name a line that I didn't hear said 50 million times in a, like, uh, I don't know, like a a last-ditch attempt to seem funny (laughs) in a group setting. It is true. It was, it is, lines of this movie are a little bit of like a cheat code when like you're not, you're, you're not sure what material is going to work. But if you're like in a homeschool community, Christian community, anything in that world. If you yell inconceivable. Inconceivable. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Like, it's like, they're going to think this is funny. Okay. And but they will. Okay. Okay. But a- that, Anything else? No. Um, I think it was, a, at one point, a good movie. I just am sick of it. Okay. Okay. So, true okay. confessions. So, you, you think maybe objectively it would be like a three or four for you. But yes. 
through repetition, it's just gotten whittled down. Yeah, and some movies, like, through repetition, don't get whittled down. Like, like you've, you've got, got mail. mail. Okay, that's right. Yeah, go. but this one has just turned to sawdust for me. Okay, Emma, the, you do the counterpoint. Why is this a five out of five? Okay, well, I think, because when I was watching it last night, that it's supposed to be over the top. It's supposed to be kind of kitschy. Agreed. But at the same time, like, even, like, the set Obviously. is very, like, textbook fairy tale yeah, kind like of the thing. costumes. Yes, like the so costumes. So you think it's like a tongue-in-cheek Yes, kind of. it's like kind of making fun of itself. Like, especially with um, Inigo, where it's like he's over-dramatic. Yes. Inigo? Inigo? In, 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 Inigo. Inigo? Yeah. Inigo. Sorry. Inigo? I have it right. I think it's Inigo. Inigo. I think you're right. Okay. But, okay, and yes. I'm with Emma. I'm with Emma. I think some of the... I think this is one of those movies that was meta-humor before, before meta-humor. Before there is meta, yeah. Right. I think it knows... I think it's self-consciously skewering, in a sense, some of the, like, princess, prince, adventure journey tropes, mm-hmm. right? But the thing that, I, like, the reason I think it's a five out of five for me is it manages to sort of make fun of its original source material, sort mm-hmm. of, which is, you know, the princessy, castle-y tropes. Have fun storming the castle, kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. that stuff, while still being genuine. And I think mm-hmm. that's a problem with a lot of meta-humor in the 2020s, is that it's mean-spirited meta-humor. Yes. So it's it's a thing that is done to just make fun of the original thing. Where The Princess Bride makes fun of fairy tales. But it's in on the joke. But yes. Yeah, but it, it also genuinely likes fairy tales. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the connections with that is, S. Morgenstern, the original author, was one of the writers, I think the main writer, of the screenplay. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so he, the novel itself, I think is in on the joke, and that carries into the movie. Right. So, but I totally get that there was a time in my life that I felt like I didn't want to watch this movie anymore. And I mm. will say one of the things that brought it back to a five, because I would, I would have been a four okay. <laughs> last week, except that I watched it with my boys who are 10 and 8, and they, look, they don't like Marvel movies. They don't, they don't like Disney. They I don't know. like Disney movies. They have no magic in them. They just want to mod Minecraft builds. Yeah. They loved this movie. They were all in from the beginning. They thought it was hilarious. They thought the physical <laughs> humor, the hijinks, lots of hijinks. They were in on the sword fighting. They love like, a hijink and a sword fight. And so fight. it pushed it all the way back up to the five. And I just thought, this holds up. Mm-hmm. It, it holds up for me. Yeah. So, okay. So that's where we are going in. Next segment, we'll come back with the best scene in line. Magic Max. Okay, all right. Next segment is going to be facilitated by Emma. She's going to lead us through the best scene and best line. Okay, so I had to... I was told to do top five scenes, and then this was a lot more difficult than I realized because I hadn't seen this movie in so long. Kara thinks it's difficult because there isn't one. Oh, come on. (laughs) But see, and then I had to think about what constitutes as scenes because I feel like in my childhood mind watching this as like a four-year-old, I'd have like blocks of the movie that I would compartmentalize it as. It is a weird movie to do this best scene because... The way we grew up watching it was on... It was just on TV. Yes. So you would come in at different points. Yeah. And so you you almost... It was just like this constant loop. Yeah. So it's a weird... Or the other time you watched it was during a sleepover. And for then everyone us, was talking. For me and Emma. Yes. And everybody was talking and then saying the lines. <laughs> and it was like... 
What was the line? Because I didn't hear it because right. you were saying There was five people saying it. Or it would be the shh, 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 stop. <laughs> yeah. And it was like we were talking five seconds ago. Why do we have to be quiet now? Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's why it was so difficult. Okay. okay. So take us through the scenes. So these are no particular order. Okay. But the sword fight, hands down, okay. is one of the best. Excellent. Also, watching it this last time made my fear of heights so much worse because they're constantly at the edge of the cliffs of insanity and my hands were getting sweaty. True. And I was just like, and it's sand and it was just, it was very good. But it just shows, I think this last time I was like, oh, they really did practice this like a ridiculous amount because it was so effortless. So, um, sword fight. Second one is the Battle of Wits because that one's really short. Oh, yeah. But the dialogue in that one is so. Impeccable. I have so many questions about that. What, the Battle of Wits? Where did the food come from? Kara, <laughs> I thought about that this next time, too. So, where Was he just carrying it, around goblins? I have, I have more questions about that part, too. But See, that's okay. That is why I do think it's kind of in on the joke. Because it's like, okay, what? out of nowhere, he just has goblets. Mm-hmm. And we're also... And cheese and bread. Yeah. And yeah. wine and a tablecloth. Yeah, and he doesn't have a bag earlier. No, he like there's so many things. He, it's hidden in his puffy sleeves. Yes, yeah. you know? That's what it is. It's the sleeves. He's got all of it in his sleeves. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That's why he doesn't need any of that. Exactly. Okay. Sleeves mess. Sleeves okay. mess. Okay. Next one. Okay, and this is why I didn't know how to categorize this, because it's from the Miracle Max part mm-hmm. up until the breaking into the castle where, um, what's his name? The giant is like oh. in that Holocaust coat. Yes, the- yeah. <laughs> that's what it's called. Yeah, that's what he calls. That's what it. he calls it. That's what he calls it. Okay. So well, and <laughs> okay, another okay. This is my argument because I'm gonna keep pointing this out. I think it's in on the joke because out of nowhere he says he like, it. "If only we had a cloak, uh-huh. like a Holocaust cloak, <laughs> specifically a Holocaust cloak." And out of his shirt, he Andre the, the Giant He's pulls like a cloak this? out. <laughs> yeah, it's very meta. It it's is. very meta, I but it. it's that was that whole sequence yeah, from great. Miracle Max with the whole dialogue of the "I'm not a witch, I'm your wife." And That's then, my favorite. It's part. so funny. It's That's so funny. One of the few improv sections because oh, most of it is S. Yes. Morgan Stern, like straight from the novel. Oh yeah, definitely. But Billy Crystal and what's her name absolutely just mm, okay. ad libbed the whole scene. That's my favorite part yeah. of the whole movie. It's amazing. So you just went, if Billy Crystal was in like 25% more of the movie. I would just adore it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they just brought him in for one day of shooting. So. Yeah. That's true. Um, after that is the fire swamp because I hated this scene as a child. So scary, right? Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. The, his shoulder. shoulder. His shoulder. Oh, I would just like, you remember when you'd get a cut as a kid yes. and your mom would pour like peroxide on yes. it? That's oh. all I could think oh. of when I would see his bloody shoulder. Yeah. His shoulder looked bad. And then when they get stuck in the quicksand and then they come they out. They come out and, and they're like, coughing <gasps> sand. Yeah. I hated it yeah. so much. Ugh. All of us have asthma. Ugh. So that was very particularly jarring okay. for us as children. Okay. The last one was um, the pit of despair because that one's also short, but it's just very kitschy and yeah, excellent, excellent acting from everyone. <clears throat> okay, okay. So the other thing I would just the other only other scene I would add is the entire uh, Inigo Montoya when oh, he gets yes he get that he starts with the knife getting thrown at him yes and you think like he's dead this is it he's gonna fail his revenge quest like. This is the end of the movie. But he, like, keeps repeating, <laughs> my name is Nico yes. Montoya, and just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And it's like his revenge or the spirit mm. of his dead father or whatever just brings life back into him. And I also have a lot of questions about that scene. Yes. If you're stabbed in the stomach, in two shoulders, yeah. how are you going? Are you still how going? You, mm. But he's 
just pounding yeah. through, man. I did like that one. That one was really good. I wanted to know how many like takes they did on that one because he's okay. so his energy is like amped up so oh, much. Bro. Yes. Ricky has facts. Yes, I need to know the facts. Oh, do you want the facts now? I guess so we can do the facts yeah. Now. Okay, so you did the. What's your top scene? Oh, okay, see, I couldn't decide, but I think the Miracle Max through breaking into the castle is okay. my favorite because Agreed. that also has the wedding scene in the middle of it. Oh, uh, which is so, so iconic. But it's so I do have to say that whole section is so chaotic. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like it just keeps going, and yeah. it's like it cuts and then it cuts to this and it cuts back, and it's it's okay. great. I love it. Uh, if you want to do couch research next, I get, let's do it. Okay, couch, couch, couch research. research. This is where. Basically, I get on my phone while we're supposed to be watching the movie, and I look up facts on IMDb and Google interviews with the cast. But in this case, I want to recommend a fantastic book by Carrie Elwes called As You Wish. I think it's called As You Wish, which is his memoir of making The Princess Bride. Love it. So, so much more in there that I can't even cover, but a couple things. First was that this movie was a commercial failure in the theater. Mm-hmm. And it was a commercial failure because nobody could figure out how the heck to market it. Because <laughs> is it a comedy? Is it a fantasy? Is it a romance? And as you know, if you market it as just everything, nobody will see it. Yeah. And it doesn't have an especially strong hook either. It's not mm-hmm. a. It's not like speed. If the car goes beyond below fifty-five miles an hour, it blows up. You need like a nice, clear concept. The Terminator. There's a robot. It's trying to kill this lady. You know. There's nothing. There's not a hook. It's just. It, it, I don't even know how you would describe it. It's kind of like a fairy tale, but kind of not like a fairy tale. So it really was a commercial failure. Do you know what saved this movie? Billy Crystal. <laughs> no. Like personally? I don't know. <laughs> he personally saved it? I don't know. He, he called someone. He bought all the theater tickets. There you now, go. He, no, it was VHS. Because huh. it mm-hmm. comes out in 1987. Mm-hmm. R- the rise of the VHS kind of era. And is further amplified by cable television. But really the VHS is what did it. Because this is the kind of movie, at least for Emma and I, since you hate it, uh, this is the kind of movie that you would watch and love and then buy a VHS for your like family or your yeah. parents or your whatever. Or you'd have a VHS of it and you'd just watch it over and over and over again, yeah. right? Even in the yes. 90s. I, remember, I know a bunch of we people had this over VHS. And over. Mm-hmm. So it was incredibly well-selling well VHS. And so everybody who was in the movie thought that they were in a failure. And it wasn't until years later when they started doing fan kind of events uh-huh. and reunions and things that they saw that it was like a world, like an American-wide phenomenon. It's sort of like a cult classic. Yeah. It is like a cult classic. So it, uh, which I didn't, I never even thought about, but you just think everybody in this movie, uh, like uh, Mandy Patinkin, for example, said that this is his favorite movie, favorite project he's ever shot. But he, it opened and it, he thought it was a failure. Mm-hmm. And it was only later that he thought, like same with Gary Owens, he just thought, well... I thought that was going to be my, you know, breakout, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, one, I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, shout out to VHSs <laughs> for saving this movie. There you go. Um, otherwise, it just would have dropped and then yeah. gone forever. That would have been terrible. Yeah. Similar, strangely, to It's a Wonderful Life, which we will yes. get to yes, in another point. Uh, other thing is a sword fight Emma talked about. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, all like an insane amount of work went into the sword fight. Uh, Carriola is Amanda Patinkin basically just rehearsed for the sword fight anytime they were not shooting dialogue. Like anytime they're just on set, they were working on the sword fight. Mm-hmm. So for weeks before the production, through the whole production, and what they basically told the, the guy who choreographed it was, we want this to be the best sword fight in the world. I don't think it's that great. Kara. And so, oh my gosh. So here's the thing about it. If you watch it, 
and I, I don't know fencing, so I wouldn't be able to say this, but according to Carrie Ellis, uh-huh. there are a bunch of actual techniques and things going on in the fight. Okay. That if you are you know, into fencing, then you would know that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. But that's what Carrie Ellis says. Right. Um, other thing is, Carrie Ellis gets knocked out during the filming. Okay. In the scene. With the giant? No, no, no where the where the guy knocks him out when they come out of the fire swamp. Oh, sure. And is it the prince that knocks him out or the six-fingered man? It's the six-fingered man. Six-fingered man. Mm-hmm. Carrie always tells the guy, listen, make it real. Like, go ahead and hit <gasps> me. So the dude does hit him with the butt of the sword, knocks him out. Carrie Elwes is taken to the hospital. <laughs> oh, gosh. What? And so when you so it's great when you watch the scene and they use the take where, he where he's knocked, knocked, where he's knocked out? out in the movie. I need so to watch you, that again. If you watch the movie, you see his head kind of go limp, and you're like, and you're like, that's really good acting. No, he's not acting. Oh, he's like been knocked. He's been gosh. concussed. And he, <laughs> this is how they used to make movies, guys. <laughs> and uh, I, there was other stuff, but those are my top three facts. Okay. It was a failure. The sword fight was actually legit, and Carrie Elwes is knocked out, so watch for that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, other thing, rumor, rumor, and you kind of get some of this in the, the Carrie Elwes book. Um, he and Robin Wright really were actually pretty in, infatuated with each other. Makes sense. On the set. Who wouldn't be in love with <gasps> Carrie Elwes, so. Uh, yeah. So, first love they ever. did, like, some chemistry tests, and they were like, yup. <laughs> and... <laughs> I, my favorite part of their romance is how bossy she is. Yeah, she's so mean to him. I know. All the time, and he just loves her so much. That's the dream. That's, that's, the, that's dream. the dream. That's what people like. Apparently. Okay, so we'll be right back with our next recommend in just a second. Girl, let me tell you about Trash Girl Smoothies. They have everything that you want. Alcohol, caffeine, (laughs) and protein. Do they have the seeds that I've been trying to get? They have the exclusive seeds. They have everything that you want at a super low cost of $50 a month. Oh, that's not bad. $50 a month. $50 a month. You can't beat it. Trashgirlsmoothies.com. Become the girl that you've always wanted to be. This episode brought to you by Trasco Cruz. <laughs> Not responsible for other problems. Being suspended. What? Because he had back surgery. Okay, tell us, Emma. We we missed we missed one more super critical couch trivia. So okay. What is it? And Ricky will appreciate this because he has back problems. I think, well, but we Andre, all do. We all do. We all do. I pulled my shoulder putting on leggings this weekend. Um, anyway. Andre the Giant, right before they started shooting, had to have back surgery. So, of course, they're bringing him in as the guy who doesn't need choreo for any type of fighting. He is just himself. Yeah. But the scene with him and Carrie Elwes, where he's on his back, he was, like, on stilts. Because he couldn't (laughs) hold any weight. (laughs) And then when Robin Wright had to be, like, where she descends into his arms, she was, like, on suspenders. Like, so that he wouldn't be injuring his I don't know if this is true, but the other Andre the Giant fact that I loved was that he would put his hand on Robin Wright because it was shot in very cold places. So Mm -hmm. he'd put his hand like on her head or on her shoulder. And he was just a very, he had a lot of body heat because he's a big guy. Yeah, so he was like a little personal warmer. (laughs) 
<laughs> so just put it, this is what I read is that he put it, her, his hand on her head, you know, the top yes. of your head is where you literally, mm-hmm. and she would just feel better in I between scenes, which is just like, I just love this picture of Andre the Giant just as a little personal heater for Robin Wright. That's I love precious. It. Okay. Three rapid fire categories. We're going to go through quick. I'm going to ask for you guys for quick responses. Um, here we go. First, trauma meter. How mm. traumatic is this movie? Not, not very, except for the rats. Except for the rats. So the like, rat part was traumatic. Um, did it give you nightmares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That part was scary. Like I remember looking away and then looking at the screen and looking away and then looking. <laughs> like I was just enthralled, but so scared. Yeah. It was scary for it me. It felt like one of those scenes that, like, I don't know if my parents really should let me watch this. Yes. We didn't get to watch a lot of those, so it felt like forbidden. It was also forbidden fruit. Like, yeah. But besides that, it's not. It's not. There's no, and I think this is a reason it is a huge homeschool movie, mm-hmm. is there's no nudity, there's no swearing, there's nothing really super objectionable in it. So homeschool parents were like, this is a safe movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that this is what our kids are going to say in every social interaction for the next <laughs> 20 years. Okay, I have the absolutely opposite take. I was incredibly traumatized by this movie. What? I was so scared because my mom and dad at that point, because I'm the oldest, they did not let me watch anything. I was scared of the eels. Oh, I forgot about The, the eels the, are scary. The screaming eels. I was scared of that. <laughs> Shrieking. Shrieking eels. Uh, I was scared of the torture scene and here's why. Here's, mom and dad made this worse because they <laughs> did. Did you learn about the real torture? No, they didn't want me to watch the torture scene. So just as it started happening, they would fast forward it. <laughs> so my mind would fill in the blanks. Oh, and no. I just imagined for years until I actually watched it, I imagined it was just horrific and gruesome and just the, all of the worst things I could possibly imagine. Like I would, everything you learned about like the Catholic torture. Yes. Like the rack. Yes. And, yeah. Oh, and the rack. I filled in the filled blanks in. with the worst possible oh, things. Okay. That was deeply traumatic. And also, uh, the image of like a young boy being slashed across the face by some crazy six-fingered man, just when he tells the story. Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh my gosh. Because like, I remember being 11 or whatever, or 10, yeah. and be like, oh, I'm 10, that could be me. So <laughs> I wonder anyway. when the first time you saw this was, because it was released the year after you were born. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so I probably, honestly, because mom and dad, I think, had a VHS of it yeah. or something. And so I probably saw it when I was like, five yeah or whatever you know so <laughs> from that age i mean when you're five years old it's like scary yeah you know that is so scary. okay the trauma meter uh second uh borderline inappropriate is there anything in this movie that upon further review you're like that's that's not that actually probably isn't good and i think we should preface this with it's not inappropriate in the wide world sense sure sure this sure. is inappropriate in the like look, since that we grew up in yeah. this specific homeschool Christian environment, yeah. So to us, that was different. Mm-hmm. That you did, well specifically, I'm looking for things that went over your head at the time, and I then you kind of go back and go like, oh man, I can't really think of to, anything. To me, it's not really that inappropriate. Uh, other than I did not pick up on the fact that Humperdinck, like I knew Humperdinck was a bad guy, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. I did not understand early on that he actually was orchestrating the whole plot Mm -hmm. and was planning to murder this girl. Like, that he had made the girl popular just to murder her Mm -hmm. on her wedding night. Yes. And, you know, 
it's yeah that that is weird and also we gotta say watching Humperdinck again like I don't know if he necessarily <laughs> so weird like if, if he necessarily likes the ladies okay but, but, I was but, gonna say that thank you I'm sorry yeah there's he some and things, the six fingered man they something. have they're yeah. real real friendly well and, and I don't think that it was intended <laughs> but I think in the 2023 <laughs> subtext you know you're you're looking for that everywhere and definitely some of Humperdinck's, the part where he says, I'm swamped. Yes. You know, where he's got a, like, a, a bride murder mm-hmm. and a wardesard, I'm swamped. Uh, so anyway, I, I, that's the only thing that I could even say is borderline inappropriate. But other than that, Humperdinck I think it's pretty is safe. a great character. He is hilarious. He's yeah. hilarious because I always hated his, like, the word pompous. As a child, I was like his stupid pompous face. Ew, like, okay. <laughs> so uh, last category of these three quick ones, uh, most dateable. We're going to have Emma give us... Her her verdict on which of these characters is the most dateable, and and you you can like you can also go like okay it, well there's really only one girl so I'm, I'm assuming it's not mm. Robin Wright so which <laughs> of the characters if if they were like lined up as suitors which one would you go like yep and nope okay well Carrie Elwes as Wesley was my first love ever oh, <laughs> okay? okay so I have okay. to choose Wesley he's so beautiful he's so beautiful I just I cannot. Yeah. Ma- like, I can't even explain as a child seeing him <laughs> at probably four years old and being like, this man is so beautiful. <laughs> like, like, prettier than me. Yes, because yeah. he is. So, Carrie Elwes, second, close second, is Inigo Montoya. Oh, because he's just, he just has the persona where it's like, I'd be yeah. like, I, oh, okay. The swagger. Okay, the he's swagger. The swagger, yeah. Like, when he's waiting for Wesley to come up the Cliffs of Insanity. Yeah. I'm like... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Why didn't you choose Billy Crystal? Kara. <laughs> Billy Crystal. He's no. He's married also, so you can't choose uh, him. Not a, she's not his wife. He's a. She's, she's a, a witch. witch. She's a witch. Yes. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. What is wrong, Emma? Oh. <laughs> Emma. Emma is the uh, the don't put your elbows on the recording <laughs> table police. Thank yes. you, Emma. So if you hear any, I just want to say this for the listeners, if you hear any bumps or thumps, it is Kara waving her hands like an Alcantara all over the place (laughs) and putting them on the table. We still love you, Kara. Okay, so the the last section here is just the Alcantara, Alcantara memories section and why you're glad that dad made you watch this. So just go ahead and share like, okay, this is what I remember growing up with this movie and if there's any reasons why you're glad that dad forced us to watch this. And I don't I wouldn't say that dad forced us to watch this mm-hmm. as much as it just was on. Yeah. This is just in the age of the VHS, the age of the, you know, cable yeah. TV. It's just a movie that was on in the background yeah. of our lives. So yeah. what do you like what do you remember about it? Mm, well, I do remember watching it when I was sick. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be a lot of these movies. That's a lot of Alcantara. Yes. A lot of these movies. A lot of, of sick movies. But also, when I was probably 12, Dad and I actually read the book. Oh. And it was like he would read it to me every night. This was like after... Like at bedtime? Yeah. Oh. I, and it he was read so to us cute. for a really long time. And it was like, there were times where we would be up like an hour before, after I was supposed to be in bed and Mom would come in and be like, hello? What like, are what are you guys doing? <laughs> and he just would get so into it. So, like, watching it as an adult with, like, the grandpa sharing the book, I'm like, oh my but that gosh. was my dad. That's really sweet. So, yeah. And then watching the movie, he would just do the same thing of quoting every single line. Dad yeah. quotes like, okay. a lot of the okay. lines. Okay, yeah. It's a quote along. It is. He, I think dad 
retroactively, Dad invented the Alamo Draft House quote along <laughs> and movie party. I think it's Alamo true. Draft House yeah. should be giving Dad like a dollar for every movie party they do. Yeah. Yes. Because I'm pretty sure, sure Joel Conta invented them. Exactly. Joe and Tom. Yeah. Oh, God. That's true. Another who may be a special guest someday. Oh, oh man, I would love to have Tom as a What about you, Kara? Um, I think my most connected memory would be like sleepovers. Oh, man. And watching this at a sleepover. And it seemed like a sort of grown-up movie. It wasn't a kid's movie. It wasn't like we were watching Prince of Egypt. It was like we were watching a real-life action-y film. Mm -hmm. And it was so cool because it was witty and funny and there was, like, kissing in it. (laughs) (laughs) And not just kissing. There was some, like... There's, like, some... Very passionate... Passionate kissing. Yeah. Intro- introduction to kissing. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I just, it was so much fun. And then it was something that we could also watch as a family. And my dad, I think the best part about watching this movie is seeing how excited my dad would get mm-hmm. at different parts. Even though now I don't love the movie, I love remembering how tickled he was yes. at certain parts. Mm-hmm. And so I'll... I'll love it for that reason because it was just special to him and it was special for him to watch it with us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think for me, one of the big themes I think we'll probably hit on again and again is my dad does not like movies that do not have happy endings. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Only happy ending movies for dad. Which, as I've grown up, at first, I, I will admit, like in my college era, I thought, oh, that's so like shallow. That's not the way the world is, you know? <laughs> but you realize as you grow up, the world is pretty harsh and sad and dark. And, and you want to be reminded in some way that there are happy endings. And this is, in some ways, here's why I love this movie and why I'm glad that Dad made us watch it. It is a happy ending movie. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, it's a, it's a really difficult road to get to the happy ending. Oh, that's true. And... The, you know, Wesley basically goes through a ton of trauma in a sense. You know, he's kidnapped. He's forced to think he's going to die every day for three years. Then he chases this love and then he hears that she's engaged to another man. And then the girl thinks she's this guy's dead for years. And then they finally find each other only to be separated. And then he dies. Well, he mostly dies. Mostly dies. Mostly dies. He's mostly oh. dead. <laughs> and he... You know, and and then finally he's brought back to life. And Inigo Montoya, right? He finally finds the guy, but nearly dies and is defeated. Mm-hmm. And, and so all of it is, it's a pretty, it's a funny movie that sands off the rough edges, but it's a pretty dark movie in points yes. in terms of the subject matter. Yeah. And I love, one of the things I love about it is I, I think is it in the fire swamp that he basically says we've already won, oh. like just by finding each other again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've already won. And in talking about one of the themes of it is the specialness of true love and how valuable it is and beautiful it is and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And you could say you could argue well that's very tailish or whatever. But I love that the true love is not just like a random prince kissing Snow White at the end of the movie. And then all of a sudden they're like happily ever after. It's like they go through some stuff. Right. You know, they, it's really t- hard. They go mm-hmm. through a difficulty and then they get the happy ending. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a very, to me, a very dad kind of perspective. Oh, definitely. To say that there will be a happy ending, 
but you're going to go through some stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Like people are going to die or almost die mm-hmm. or you think they're <laughs> dead or you're going to, you know, feel like everything's lost or you're going to be hopeless at points. And yet at the end, you're still going to, yeah. you're still going to come out. He yeah. always says you've got to pay your dues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, and then just the last thing is the, the bookend with the grandpa. Oh, yeah. yes. So I love that Emma brought that up because the, th- I don't think there is a better last line to a film than Peter Falk as the, the grandpa turning to his grandson and saying, as you wish. Because the, the kid falls in love with his grandpa, in yeah. a sense, as his grandpa yeah. during the course of the story. And so this, the ending is it, it, it takes it from just a fairy tale to like it brings it back into life. Mm-hmm. And you just, oh, it's just... Just, it's beautiful. That's why I love the meta-ness of it. Is it it tries to, it has it both ways, which is rare. It makes fun of fairy tales, but then it also has a little bit of the magic of mm-hmm. the fairy tale yeah. about it. Yes. So okay. Any love final it. any final closing comments on our first real movie, The Princess Bride? It's a classic. I love it. This is where homeschoolers learn to flirt. Oh come on. That's my big takeaway. It, what do you mean they, they learn Tell, to flirt? Give us an example. This is like you <laughs> <laughs> Like, um, the quick quips, the like, Quippy. da-da-da, <laughs> like, I cannot think of a specific line, but this is how every homeschooler I've ever encountered, like, encountered, thinks that flirting goes. The like, almost like a Killian Yes, yeah, almost yeah. Like, 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 why are you saying that to me? <laughs> or like, funny. yeah, like the quick comebacks thing. Yeah. And it just... It works in that setting. I mean, yeah. homeschoolers that marry each other, they have millions of children. So it works. But okay. if you're using it like at Tin Man or something. On a hinge date. It's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. I, we would not recommend that. Uh, okay, my hot take on this is partially that one of the joys of this movie is the super quick back and forth dialogue that actually is a callback to the 1940s, 1930s. Yeah. Like... Uh, you guys know His Girl Friday mm-hmm. with um, uh, Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn? Favorite yes. movie. You know? <laughs> and the dialogue in the movie is so fast, so, fast. so funny, yes. so crazy that you couldn't even keep up with it. Yeah. This movie has just a little bit... Most likely kill you in the morning. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. It has some of these lines... And then being a Billy Crystal, who yes. feels like he's from the 1930s yeah. or 40s yes. somehow. So I, that's my my hot take is, I think it's borrowing the dialogue yeah. pitter patter, very hearkening back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you have a hot take, Emma? No, I think you just love it so. too much. I just, I, I do. It. I also like see it with a literary perspective too, because I've also read the book. Uh, but and what's your English teacher take on it? Do I don't you like know. the book? Is the book good? I like the book. Okay. There's a lot of world building in the book, but there's also a lot of like really dense writing so like it can be very tolkien-esque where like there's this whole thing about there's a fight with um the giant and it's like his whole backstory oh and it's kind of like okay can we can we move on but every character is so like developed in their own that's good right and i think the movie did a really good job because the author was in on it too okay okay so this, okay. this time around, I really noticed that. So your hot take is, it's a good book, too. Yes. Oh, Check out the book. Okay, Check last thing. Book. Last hot take. What's better, book or movie? Oh, the on. movie, because it's the, it is the thing. But the book is like, 
you'll get the Play same feel. Is the thing, Amy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the book is the movie Kara, is the thing. The guys, this is what the listener, an anonymous <laughs> listener, was talking about. This is what you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to just quote random things that people don't understand and talk over each other. Someone will get it. Someone will get that. Nobody will get the it. The play yes, is the thing, Amy. If you get it. Right to us. Is there a prize? <laughs> Let us know. There there could be a prize. We'll Maybe it's like five dollars too. Five dollars? No, no, we no. haven't even made any money. No, we'll give you a sponsor to tra- <laughs> trash girl smoothie. We'll yeah, give we you will a send free you a box of sample. trash girl smoothies at your door. <laughs> okay. Assuming it gets cleared by the FDA. Exactly. Sure. So. Okay, yeah. But I the line is <laughs> what is it? The play is the, the play thing. is the thing, Amy. That's okay. It. All right, listeners, send us your suggestions <laughs> for future films. Um, so far, you've got you've got Mail and Princess Bride in the Can, and we are moving on to bigger and better things uh, that are even more traumatic and or swoon-worthy, according to Emma, and or amazing. We'll see you next time.